Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Bibles, open them to the book of Psalms. It's kind of right in the middle, the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 42 as we begin a new series called Honest Prayers. And if you read the kind of description of this service, we're talking, it's not, we're not saying that the prayers that you pray are not honest, but sometimes we can get into kind of a rut or we can have some of these things, these beliefs that kind of say if I'm feeling something very deeply and especially if I'm feeling some of what we would call negative emotions, anger, fear, frustration, that those need to be left at the door before we enter into a time of prayer to God. And the Psalms are a great corrector of that. They allow us to see, no, God knows that we're human. And God knows that we experience deep, sometimes paralyzing feelings. And so, God made sure that in the book that He left for our guidance and our direction, that the Holy Spirit uses still to speak to the hearts of people. He made sure that the prayers included honest prayers. That are struggles that communicate deep, quote unquote, negative emotions. And that those are completely appropriate. If they're found in the Bible, it's okay for you to pray them. And the Psalms are a great, not just worship book, but a prayer book. And today we'll see a song that is a great prayer. Now before I read this and get into this. I want you to know this was one that I really wrestled with God with about preaching today. Because it's Independence Day. It's a celebration. We're going to go out and we're going to barbecue after this. And you're probably going to find some place to set off fireworks. Or you're going to endanger you and your neighbor's lives by setting off fireworks. It's a celebration. And today our psalm is about grief. I'm like, God, are you sure? Like... Independence Day celebration, yes, talk about grief. And yet I felt so strongly, I could not get away from the fact that we need to talk about this. And I think it is appropriate on a day we celebrate freedom. Because if we linger long enough and think deeply enough about the history, even of Independence Day, we realize that there were many who were left grieving at the end of the war that gained our independence as they deeply missed the one who fought for the freedom. So I think it's okay. Is it okay if we lean in? I I think you'll still go out and celebrate and enjoy your brats and your burgers and all those things. But I want you to hear that our God is so concerned about your honest feelings as a human being that he created space within holy sacred scripture for you to have words to pray when those types of feelings are paralyzing you so with that 
Let's turn to Psalm 42. Hear the word of the Lord. As the deer pants, and that that word there is longs for. So as the deer is so thirsty, it's just longing for something. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food all day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs His love. At night His song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. It's the Word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. Many of you know that before I was your pastor, I was a therapist. And so grief is something that I was trained for, trained in, how to help folks through grief. I learned those five stages of grief. Uh, You've probably heard them. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And it's those first four that you spend a lot of time in. You deny this can't be happening. If you've ever been through the loss of someone, you understand, especially if it was a sudden loss, This can't be happening. Anger that it happened. Why is this happening? Bargaining. Oh, if only I had said this. If only I had done something different, then maybe things would have been different. And depression. That just overwhelming cloud that creates a longing, a deeper longing for the way things were. I, I honestly believe that some of what we witness in our world, on social media, in the news, and all that's going on, no matter what news source you listen to, I think that America as a country is really needing to acknowledge the grief that we're going through. That we can't believe this happened over these last 17 months. Some of us express that anger that this took place. No matter where you fall on an understanding that, we're angry that it took place. And we 
think we have all the bargains of, well, if they had done this differently, if this had come out faster, if they had done this, if that party had done this, if they hadn't gotten the way. And it's led for some of us, for many of us, to sense this deep cloud. I know we call it polarization and we try and do all these things, but I honestly am beginning to wonder, are we dealing with a national grief and depression? Now, some of you in the midst of this have experienced great grief. You lost someone, some maybe to the virus, maybe to just natural causes. Some of you with accidents, you, you've been scared, you've been worried. You've probably cycled through these denial, anger, bargaining, depression. I know we call them stages, and that leads people to think it's, you know, okay, well, one time I was kind of in denial, but then I got angry, so I know I'm, I'm getting better. I moved on. And, and then I bargained for a little while, and then I felt sad, so I must be moving on to acceptance. doesn't quite work like that. It's more of a mishmash of things. I try and help people understand it's like throwing a bunch of different colors in a, in a clear bucket. And they kind of mix up together. And you can experience three or four of those, maybe simultaneously, where you're thinking in your thoughts and in your heart, you're kind of denying that this could have happened. And you're, at the same time, it makes you angry and it leads to thinking about the things you could have done differently. And it leads to those really down feelings that leads you back into, I can't believe this is happening. It, it just cycles through. So if you're there, then we have a prayer for you. An honest prayer for you. And I want you to hear what this psalm has to teach us. So let's look at this. We're just going to kind of go through this bit by bit. It starts with this very funny phrase. If you have your Bibles, I know it's not in all of your translations, but in quite a few of your Bibles, it will start with this kind of direction. And we tend to just kind of read past that and go right on to verse 1. But it says that for, this is for the director of music. So what does that tell us? Well, probably that it's a, a song. It's something that they would sing. Can you imagine singing, Why have you forgotten me, O God? probably wouldn't make it on, on the Christian radio station. Or if it did, it'd quickly fade. For, for the director of music. And then it says it's a mascal of the sons of Korah. Now the sons of Korah were ones that were kind of a choir, and they would sing these things whenever there was time for worship. But I wanted to focus just briefly on that word, a mascal. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but most scholars believe it comes from the Hebrew word, sakal. I know, you want to say that with me, don't you? It's another Hebrew word, write it down, uh, so you can, you know, have your vocabulary list. Ready? It's the word sakal. Let's try that together. One, two, three. Sakal. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Sakal. And sakal means to make wise or to instruct, but to make wise. And so what the instructor or the person wanted to know that every time you come to this psalm and this psalm is a part of the worship service, we want you to know that it's sung. It's a choir song. It's sung powerfully by the sons of Korah. But it is also something that should make you, the listener or the singer, 
wise. It will instruct you about something. And so today I want you to hear some of the ways that I believe this psalm instructs us when we move into the season of grief. And if you're not in grief right now, today, that's okay. Live long enough, you will be. And I hope that you'll take some notes so that you'll understand this. The first thing that I believe that this psalm teaches us is that when there is grief and it's time for prayer, that we can begin by declaring our longing. That we don't have to hide something in the background. We can just declare. We can come straight into God's presence with our longing. That as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Many believe that this psalm was probably written down when the people of Israel were captive in Babylon. And when you're in this place and your faith tells you that the place where God's presence dwells is in the temple in Jerusalem, and you know that that temple was destroyed and thrown down, and the city in which that temple was was burnt to the ground, and you know that it lies in ruin, and you are thousands of miles away in another city where someone else is oppressing you, do you think you might long for the past? Folks, we were just out of the building for like 10 months. And I'm telling you, you long to be back in here. Every single person who talked to me on their first service, whether they were here on the first time we opened or they waited a little bit and came back, would just say, "Uh, online was great, but it was so good to be with people. There's a longing there. When you're missing something, there's a longing That's there. And this psalm teaches us that it's okay to declare your longing to God. To begin right there. There's no, oh God, you're awesome, you're so great, and and, uh, we just worship you and we praise you, and and you're just beyond all measure. You're so incredibly immense and huge. You know, all There's none of that. It's just my soul longs like a deer longing for a stream of water. I'm longing for you, God. And when can I go into your presence? It's pretty straightforward. So this psalm instructs us, this masculine instructs us, makes us wise to know that when we're in the midst of grief, you can declare your longing to God right away. Next thing that it teaches us is that it's okay to describe your current, real, and actual feelings to God in prayer. You don't have to leave that out in the foyer and come in and just, you know, happy clappy. And No, come in with your tears, with your heart broken. Come in. Listen to what he says in verses 3 and 4. My tears have been my food day and night while men say to me all day long, where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. My nephesh, my life force, the very thing that God put in me, I'm pouring it out in grief and tears every night. How I used to go with the multitude leading the procession. Oh, that, that's, that's next, sorry. But this is a, a real description. A real description of his feelings 
or her feelings. Those current, real, heartfelt, paralyzing sorrow and grief. It is okay not just to declare your longing, but to describe what you're actually feeling to God. God cares about that and what you have missed. Next, the thing that this teaches us is that it's also okay in the midst of declaring your longing and describing your actual feelings to God, it is okay when you get to a certain point to determine your focus. Look at verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. How many of you have ever been through a difficult situation where you've, you've lost a job, you've lost a loved one, it's just really broken you, it, it's hurt, and, and you just have these days and weeks and maybe months where it just seems like there's that cloud over you, and then at some point you just kind of decide to determine your focus, and you kind of just put your feet down, or maybe you, you kneel somewhere at a bed and you just say to God, I'm just going to focus on you, God. I, I just want to focus. And I'm going to do that. And I, maybe you say words like this. My soul, why is, are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Have you been there? Have you done that? This is okay to do in the grieving process. Declaring your longing. Describing your actual feelings and what has been taken from you. And then to determine your focus. Now don't fixate there. This is going to be kind of like those stages of grief. They, they kind of come here and there. You'll see. You can determine your focus though. It is okay in the grieving process to set your focus upon the one who is with you. Upon the one who is very comfortable with you declaring your longings and describing your actual feelings. It's okay in that moment to determine your focus to worship this one who is with you. But we have to move on. And this is the one thing that I really noticed and and really was fascinated by in this psalm. Because just after the psalmist declares or determines his focus, he goes right on and then says, My soul is downcast within me. What it's trying to teach us is that disorientation is normal. When it comes to grief, that you can declare your longing and know what that is. You can describe your actual feelings to this God who cares about you. And you can determine to focus on this God. And then in almost sometimes the very next breath, you just acknowledge, but my soul is downcast within me. My nephesh, my, my soul force that God gives to me, it just seems to be withering away. What does he say? My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, the mount of Mizar. I wanted to read this just a little bit because I think that Eugene Peterson really captures this very well in the message translation. If you have a Bible app, you can go ahead and, and switch right over to it pretty quickly. If not, you can... You can listen to to me read it here. It says, When my soul is in the dumps, I rehearse everything I know of you, God. From Jordan depths to Hermon heights, including Mount Miser, 
chaos calls to chaos. Our NIV says deep calls to deep, and you and I think of a nice beach day. But for the Hebrew people, the ocean, the waves, that was the chaos before the Spirit of God hovered over the waters at creation. And he's saying, I'm down in the dumps. I'm going to remember everything I know about you. But chaos is calling to chaos to the tune of Whitewater Rapids. So it's not just the ocean, but it's Whitewater Rapids with the ocean. Let's make this as bad as possible. Your breaking surf, your thundering breakers are crashing and crushing me. Then God promises to love me all day, sing songs all through the night. My life is God's prayer. Do you hear the disorientation there? It's almost like you can feel yourself being in an ocean, being rocked back and forth by waves and things crashing over you. Disorientation is a normal part of grief. It's like I said, you go through all of those phases. It's not a ladder. It's a mix. It's a mixture. It's like being thrown into the washing machine of life and you might feel all these different things. That is a part, and this psalm wants you to know that you can declare your longing. You can describe your actual feelings. You can determine your focus, but realize that disorientation is a normal part. And it's okay to rock back and forth between, I will determine my focus, and my soul is being poured out inside of me. Are you there today? Maybe for some of you, you're sensing that disorientation of grief and the loss of someone, the loss of the way things were. It's okay, even on Independence Day, to realize that disorientation is a part of this. And that does not mean that God has disappeared. It goes on because it comes back. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? So not only do we declare our longings and describe our feelings and determine our focus and realize that disorientation is a normal part of the process, but then in the midst of the disorientation, it begins to bring us to the only one who can do something about the grief we're experiencing. And the psalmist gets there when he gets to... to, Verse 9. And there that psalmist directs his thoughts and his feelings to God. Direct your thoughts and feelings to God. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by an enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Sometimes grief takes us the long way. And you may cycle through those declarings of longings and describing of feelings and determining your focus and experiencing the disorientation of grief. But at some point, my brother, my sister, I can testify to this. You will eventually come to a place where this grief will lead you to direct your actual thoughts and your feelings to the only one who can do anything about it. 
And the good news is this God has been with you all along. I'll never forget when that happened for me after the loss of my father and going through all of the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the depression, all those things. And I remember coming out of a counseling room where all of these things were stirred up within me and sitting in the car and it was finally the moment where I stopped just directing my thoughts and my feelings outward in just a jumble and there was laser focus to God. Why? This isn't fair. You shouldn't have done this. I'd have done it differently. Yeah, I said that. No lightning bolts. God wants honest prayers. Honest prayers. And it was there or shortly after that that we hear the last bit of wisdom from this psalm. It comes back almost like a bookend with verse 5. Verse 11 says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Lastly, this psalm teaches us that in the midst of all that happens, and when you finally direct your actual thoughts and feelings to God, you begin the process of discovering hope. Discovering hope again. Because when you, you see, when you realize that God has been with you through all the process, you begin to realize that God will journey with you from that moment on. And you begin to recognize, or you actually begin to get this glimmer of hope that life can actually go on. And life can actually be good in spite of the circumstances, not because God magically waves His hand and changes all the circumstances. This in the psychology world is when we talk about acceptance. It's not accepting, well, I'm glad that that happened. It's accepting that life can go on and life can still be good in spite of what has happened. And for us as Christians, I always want to add, whenever I'm in the counseling room as a Christian counselor, I want to say, yes, acceptance is good, but there's more than acceptance. There's actually hope. That because God has been with us in the tough times, because God has been with us in the description of all my feelings, because God has been with me when I took that in to to direct my focus towards Him, because God was with me in the disorientation that is normal in grief, and because God allowed me to pray an honest prayer and direct my actual thoughts and feelings towards Him, it begins to dawn on me that He will be with me As life moves on. And he may just have something in store for me. That is really, really good. That's a lot of wisdom for a short 11 verses. But I wonder for you. Where does this hit today? Maybe for you, you're happy. You're You know, checking on the clock because you got burgers ready to go. That's okay. Those are good feelings too. But I just believe for many of us and for some of you who are joining us online, you may be hearing this and say, yeah, that's me. There, There may be tears welling up in your eyes because 
you have needed to know how to pray an honest prayer. And so I'm going to encourage you today to find a journal, to find some place to write. There's something that uh, psychologists say happens when you have all the stuff going on up here in your mind, all the thoughts, all the disorienting things that, that take place with grief, that there's something strange that happens when that thought and that emotion travels down your neck, through your shoulder, out your arm, or your left arm if you're left-handed, and you begin to write it. It's almost like your brain sees through your eyeballs that the things that it is thinking are now outside of the body, and you've actually gotten the message that you have all of these things going on inside of you. And so I'm going to encourage you this week, I'm going to encourage you online, find a piece of paper, find a place where you can write down where you can declare your longings and describe your feelings, where you can determine your focus if that's the part of the process that you're on, that you can realize or lean into that disorientation is a part of all of this. Or maybe you're at a place where you just really need to direct those thoughts and feelings to God who is with you. Do that over and over each day, as often as you need to, and you may just find yourself beginning to discover a glimmer of hope. You may, you may, just find yourself singing, There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. Would you like to sing that? There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. One more time. You're singing so great. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Would you stand for prayer? Father, we're grateful. That we are invited by you to be human, to be as you've created us, and to bring our honest feelings and thoughts, even when it's difficult and disorienting like grief, that we bring those right to who you are. And your greatest desire is to lead us. Help us see where you have been leading us. And to discover again the hope that only you can bring. Thank you for this math skill, this wise song that teaches us. Pray that you would help us, my brothers and my sisters, to find time to write those things down this week. To declare our longings. Describe our feelings. 
direct our focus, determine our focus, to write out all the ways that this grief, this situation, this loss is disorienting. To direct all of that to you. And see your arms wide open for us to come just as we are. To be embraced by your strength and your mercy. And may we begin to discover hope as a congregation, as individuals, as those who've experienced loss. Oh God, teach us the wisdom of this psalm. And may we become those who pray honest prayers. And never shy away from taking an opportunity to share with you what is really going on. For we pray and we ask all of these things in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Spirit who is in us, one God forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Happy Fourth of July. I hope your brats are as good as mine are going to be. Would you receive this blessing and you online as well? And now, may you recognize the hope of praying honest prayers. Wherever you are in the grief process, even if you haven't entered yet, I pray that you will know there's a God who longs to hear your heart, not your rehearsed speech. Pray that you will dare to move into his presence and describe the disorientation and the real things that are going on. That you'll direct it directly to him, no one else. And that you, yes you, even you, will begin to discover hope. My friends, we're a church. You online, you're our online campus. May we once again discover hope at the end of this grieving season. May we pray honest prayers. And may we go in the strength and the comfort and the power of the one who enables us to discover hope. May God bless you. Go in his freedom. Go in his forgiveness. Go in his mercy. And go in his hope, declaring hope to a world who is grieving. I pray this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.